All right, welcome back to the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything, everything sports from the press box, even though we're really not from the press box during COVID so much. So uh, I'm sports editor Dandy Adana, along with our assistant sports editor, Will Kennedy. Um, we actually have been in some press boxes lately, which has been good. Um, we had a lot of big uh, events this past weekend. Um, unfortunately for a lot of local teams, didn't go as well as, uh, as they had hoped. Um, but we still have a lot of, uh, a lot of things going on with, uh, hope stuff in playoffs and, uh, you know, high school events still, still kicking. So, um, let's get right to it. Will, let's start with the, uh, the hope college football game. I mean, it was, uh, seemed pretty epic against their rivals Albion and, uh, you know, they had control of their own destiny at, uh, heading into this game for the MIAA title, and now they don't have control of their own destiny. Uh, just take us through what uh, what was so wild about that game. Uh, what what then? What did it end up like forty to thirty eight or something? Uh, yeah, it was. I think forty one thirty eight. Yeah, crazy. Um, but I mean, everything about it is just hope. Uh, you know, they kicked off the Albion to start the game. Second play of the game, um, the Britons just hit like a. 65 yard pass for a touchdown um, over the top DB fell down easy, easy score for them. Um, Hope was down 21 three at one point uh, and they fought back to tie it at halftime. They scored um, three touchdowns in a span of five minutes of game time. They went down, scored a touchdown um, ensuing kickoff Albion fumbles it. So hope scores another touchdown with about 15 seconds left till halftime. No, I think three seconds left till halftime. Um, then they get the balls to start the second half and go down and score immediately. So there's, it was like a 21 point swing, like just this crazy, crazy swing. Um, Hope eventually takes the lead off that. And then it's sort of back and forth, back and forth. Um, gets tied at 38. Uh, Albion goes down and scores with about three, four minutes left. They get a field goal to take a 41 38 lead. Then Hope just comes out of nowhere and just um, hits a deep shot down the middle. Um, uh, gets to around midfield, maybe the, the Albion 40. And then Chase Brown hits Lucas Leak, the tight end, who's rumbling down to the five-yard line with about a minute and a half left in the game. Um, he gets hit around the five-yard line, ball pops out, Albion recovers it at the two-yard line. Um, and then they just get one first down, get Coach Thursman to use his timeouts, um, and then they're able to take a knee and run the clock out. But it was – I mean, nothing – that either team did was like bad. There was like in terms of, you know, obviously our, our job is to like criticize coaching decisions and stuff like that. Nothing w- was bad. It was just like a really exciting game. Um, the, the one bugaboo that just kept killing hope was um, Albion went 11 for 16 on third downs, which is bad. But mm-hmm. when you consider that 10 of those 11 first downs went to Albion's wide receiver, Justin Thomas, who had 14 catches, 235 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, he took over the game. I mean, I've been talking about how Hope secondary is so good all year because they have been, and arguably they were really good that day. The second Albion second leading receiver only had 71 yards, and their third leading receiver only had 40 yards. So Justin Thomas was the game. I mean, he every time they needed a big third down, it was like third and 15, he got 16 yards. It was third and eight, he got nine yards or he got that big 64 yard passing play in the first, second play of the game. Like he was everywhere. Um, even the third down when, when Sturzma was using his timeouts that, that maybe they could get the ball back after Lucas league's fumble. It was like third and eight. He runs a little out to the sideline. 
perfect coverage on him by, I think it was Ryan Young. Absolutely perfect coverage. Thomas somehow bobbles the ball up to himself, falls on the ground, and catches it while he's on his back for a nine-yard gain on third and eight to seal the win. I mean, this kid was absolutely astonishing to watch play football. Um, I talked to Terrell Harris after the game, who's Hope's leading receiver. He had 92 yards uh, on the day, and he's like, he's one of the best receivers I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mean, he was it was it was a remarkable outing, and, and it, it was impressive. I mean, Jack Bush, Albion's quarterback, was getting the ball out quick. They had five sacks on the day still. So like the defensive line was doing his job. The secondary was doing their job outside of whoever was covering Justin Thomas on any given play because he was just uncoverable. I mean, there, there, there was nothing hope did wrong. Um, it's just a, a really good athlete got he out athleted hope um, that that's kind of what it came down to. And that's how the game sort of sort of transpired. But I mean, it was a heavyweight fight. It was just haymaker after haymaker, just back and forth, back and forth all game. And it was really exciting. Um, but unfortunately for Hope, that means they are unlikely to win an outright share of the MIAA now. Uh, they have to win against Trine uh, this week to earn a share of it. But in order to earn the playoff berth, they have to hope Albion loses to um, Alma this week. And then both games are at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Um, both games, obviously, Hope is not at home. So if, you, if you're a big Hope fan, you can stream both of them at the same time on your computer and just you know keep eyes, keep apprised of what's going on over at Alma. Um but yeah, hope hope needs help to make the playoffs now, but they, they can still technically earn a share of the MIAA title with a win. Um, so it, it was it was wild. It was fun though. Sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. And uh, for for our listeners, if you if you're unsure why that this is such a big deal as far as the playoffs go, is the MIAA in regards to other divi- the rest of Division Three in football is not the same as it is in volleyball or soccer as far as strength of conference it's a one bit league yeah so the automatic bid is the only playoff uh likely to be the only playoff um spot in football um i don't i mean i've been here now quite a few many years um i think almost 18 <laughs> just really weird to say I don't think there's ever been two MIAA teams make the football playoffs. Yeah, I mean, um, I, and, I also, and if so, it was an anomaly yeah. of a year. Um, I mean, even when an MIAA team does make the playoffs, whoever gets the automatic bid, rarely do they even win the first round game. Right. I mean, I think Trine had a two years where they won a playoff game, Hope or one year where they won a couple. Okay. Uh, and one year where they won one. But I'm pretty sure it was like the first time that an MIAA team had won a playoff game in like 20 years or something like that. So um, it's not the same as with other sports where, you know, it's obviously Hope and Calvin in basketball, traditionally in volleyball and even in soccer, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's a different situation. So. And less teams um, make the playoffs in, in football as well. So that's, that's important to note. I mean, you're not, it's not a 64 team field. It's a 32 team field. So. Correct. Right. Which makes a big difference as well. Um, so that's why the, uh, there's so much, uh, so much that uh, why this Albion game was so crucial for one. And also why, Hope needs some help because even if they clinch a share, yeah. uh, they're not going to be going to the playoffs. Yeah. So um, all the all the all the marbles were out on the table. Whoever won this was was, I mean, Trine's a good team, so they still have work to do this week against Trine. But um, whoever won this had you know 
as smooth as sailing as possible with one game remaining to a path to a playoff. Um, so now Albion's obviously in that driver's seat and hope has to take care of business and, and hope, hope the Britons slip up. For sure. For sure. All right. And while uh, Will was watching that, I was covering the hope Calvin volleyball part three um, where the situation is very different. It was the MIAA tournament final where you actually knew that both teams were safe. <laughs> both yeah. teams were going to make it anyway, um, being ranked five and six in the country. Um, that was, I've seen a million hope Calvin matches. Uh, I don't know if I've, I've probably only missed one in a decade or something like that. Um, a lot of them go five sets. This one was no different, but it was different than any other match that I've ever seen. Um, Calvin came out strong in every set, led in every set, all five sets. Uh, they won the first couple sets seemingly handily for that rivalry. I mean, it wasn't, it was within a few points, but they never looked like they didn't have it. Calvin did. Then Hope storms back, wins the third set. No surprise there. I mean, it's very rare that that matches a sweep. And usually if it is, it's 25, 23, 25, 23, 25, 23. Um, so, you know, still a normal, normal match. Calvin jumps out in the fourth set to a little lead again. And I'm thinking in my head, my story is going to be about how if Calvin keeps staking themselves to a lead in the fourth set, they led 10, nothing. I've never seen a volleyball match of any kind that I can, of any substance with two really good teams together where it's been, there's been a lead like that 10, nothing. And in a 25 point set. So now you're, you're thinking, okay, well this, there's no coming back from this, right? I mean, 10, nothing. They're already down, you know, whatever. They freaking came back and won the set. Hope did. 25-22. I don't really still know exactly how they did it. Um, that's And that's not because I was not paying attention or I'm a poor reporter. Uh, there was just a lot of just mix of things. Calvin made some errors, and they I, they seemed, you know, when you have that, you kind of get that in your head. We won the match already. Hope took advantage of that, chiseled away at it a little bit here, a little bit there. And it just added up and they, they didn't go on some epic run to tie it 10, 10, you know, I don't think they took the lead until it was in the twenties. Uh, they just kind of, you know, steadily, steadily, steadily came back. It was like a tortoise in the hair type of a set. And so then they won to fourth force a fifth set, which was incredible. The, the, Crowd and DeVos was packed and they went nuts as well. They should. Um, and then they got to the fifth set and then Calvin jumped up to a big lead again in the fifth set and ended up winning 15, 12 another close one. But uh, that's really like, there's so many strange things about that. First of all, never seen a 10 0 lead, never seen somebody blow a 10 0 lead and then never seen somebody take the momentum from overcoming a 10-0 lead and then lose the next set anyway. Usually you keep that momentum going, especially in volleyball, which is a sport of momentum. So it's a really, it was a really wild match. Um, Hope played extremely well at times, but also extremely tight at times. They kept getting behind and you could tell that they were like feeling the pressure. And then that ended up being the difference in most of the sets is Calvin would be up like 4-1, 6-2, something like that. And that point spread was the difference. They just played even the rest of the way. So um, they both both teams made the tournament. Calvin ho is hosting, though, so that was the one 
thing that probably really hurt that Hope lost that match. Um, but Hope is still a top 10 team and they're headed to Eau Claire, uh, Wisconsin. And their first match is Thursday against Whitworth, um, which is one of the few teams that is in postseason play that I know nothing about. So uh, a lot of the teams that they've uh, that they play and that are in Calvin's region, I've seen or they've played each other. This will this will be a a kind of a new experience. I don't know if they've ever played Whitworth before. So, but they're in, and they still have a, a, Will was asking me earlier, do they have a shot at winning? And it's, it's an, it's an odd answer, but yes, is the, the easy answer is yes, because of course they're in the tournament, they have a chance, you know, but there's no real favorite in this tournament. Uh, There's just a lot of teams that are very even. And I think that uh, that can make it really interesting for both Hope and Calvin, and maybe they'll meet later in the tournament again. Um, But usually when the teams are both so good as they are, um, the NCAA does a pretty good job of keeping them apart, which they are. Uh, But a lot of times that means one of them's hosting and the other one's not. Um, But I think it's good for volleyball for them to not be in the first weekend uh, together uh, because it's two teams that are in that group of seven, eight teams that actually have a shot. So, um, so it was a wild match, but still really good volleyball. And, you know, Hope's got a lot of upside still i mean they're um they're they they're built to make a, a deep postseason run uh they haven't uh been quite built that way for a few years for you know just a couple of years uh they won the national title in 2004 14 excuse me 2000 not 2004 2014 um and they've been good since but they haven't been at that level yet and they're, they're still i would say they're still not quite at that team's level but since there are no uh clear-cut favorites this uh this still could be a year of a deep postseason run so uh, meanwhile hope soccer won the miaa the women's miaa tournament they're going uh to the ncaa tournament this week they play friday um they were one of the few local teams that won <laughs> this weekend yeah. um so big big for them they had won they had uh had to beat albion in a shootout on the road in the semifinals to make the final yeah. try and upset calvin to make the final and then hope beat uh trying in the final uh to advance so there'll be more on that in the final this week yeah we're, i mean we were talking about this earlier i mean trying and, and and calvin were probably going to make it regardless um but but hope probably had to win the tournament um mm-hmm. in order to make it and yeah we were talking about this is the first time that you remember and certainly i remember because this is only my second soccer season um First time they've ever had an NCAA tournament since I've been here. Um, the three teams from the MIAA have made the tournament, and Trine, Calvin, and, and Hope have all, all made the yeah. women's tournament, um, which is bizarre. That's, that seems like a, a big amount um, from from a small soccer conference, but I guess it's really for sure. For I sure, I mean, two is two is a luxury a lot of times, but having yeah. three, I mean, I've, I've I've probably seen it, you know, once or twice in all sports combined. Yeah, year. Um, so very different from the football situation obviously too but there's again more teams uh involved but yeah i mean that just shows you postseason stuff that, that those conference tournaments that would they get automatic bids are really really interesting sometimes i mean they had they were in different sports too there was one year where the hope women's basketball was 22 and 5 and didn't make it yeah and a program with the pedigree of hope women's basketball yeah, that, yeah. you know, had made deep runs the year before they made another deep run the year after, 
they ended up 22 and five. They lost the finals to Calvin. Calvin got the automatic bid and somehow they were left out with 22 and five, which was stunning. I've never quite seen something quite like that, but you never know. But so this time the MIW has got three soccer teams. So, which is really good for the conference as a whole, especially if each team can at least win a game. Uh, that that's uh, another way to build, uh, you know, how the selection committee views the conference in the future. Yeah. Um, even though every year is different, you, they do take that kind of stuff into consideration. Um, so that's good for hope. Um, and then Grand Valley took care of business against Wayne state. No surprise there. Um, Wayne state's not quite as powerful as they've been in the past. Um, and then they, uh, Grand Valley faces Davenport this week in their regular season finale, uh, home finale. And, uh, High school stuff. We had some high school things happening. Will Sagatuck played. Um, they played White Pigeon again. They played White Pigeon tough too. Um, I know the score wasn't, you know, it didn't really indicate it. Uh, I think the final score was 28-8 or 28-6 yeah, maybe, something like that. Um, but they, they played them tough. I mean, White Pigeon, based on what I read, and I was listening to it on the radio a little bit because um, it was all the way down in what, Sturgis? Is that where it was? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at White Pigeon, near Sturgis. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was far away. So obviously we didn't go. Friday was actually my day off too. And I said, yeah, I still listen to a little bit of it. Um, That's commitment but, there, folks. Yeah. You know, it's football. Football. Got to <laughs> listen to it. Um, I was honestly probably listening to it while I was watching another football game. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, they played them tough. White Pigeon controlled the ball, though. I mean, they would go on like these eight, nine minute drives and, and they would score with like, eight to eight to 20 seconds left in the quarter they scored at the end of three of the four quarters to, and, and that just like kind of sucked the momentum out um For sure. uh it, it was it was eight nothing i think or seven nothing um and then soccer gets the ball back benny diaz goes on like a 58 something yard touchdown run which you expect from benny diaz um this was in the first quarter maybe early second quarter um then they just don't score again because because ball control by by white pigeon man they just they they run a similar kind of offense. They run a T sort of like um, Saga Tuck does um, full house, not wing, but, but still similar run heavy offense, but they just drained the clock. They weren't getting any massive chunk plays. They were getting like five yards here, five yards here, six yards, four yards. Um, so they just drained the clock, went down the field and then sort of just, you know, deflated Saga Tuck. Cause when you go up two scores in an offense like that, I mean, it's, it's hard to come back against that. For sure. For really sure. Against that. When you know, even if you score in two seconds, unless you force a fum, unless you force a turnover, they're going to have the ball for another 10 minutes. It, it, for it, sure. Mentally that, you know, that just, that gets in your head. For sure. And I saw them play, they played each other in week one and I was at that game and uh, the size advantage up front was apparent, very apparent. White yeah. pigeon had the size advantage, which allowed them to control the line of scrimmage, which leads to that time, you know, time of possession, like you're talking about. But Sagatuck lost to White Pigeon in last year's playoff, mm-hmm. and then in week one this year, and then in the playoffs this year. But each one, each game, they got substantially better. Yeah. And the, the first week game. one they lost, it, the score was kind of lopsided, but they had six turnovers. Yeah. Uh, that really, you know, led to that. But for them to play that much better at White Pigeon yeah. on the road, um, you know, even though it wasn't, you know, they, they really, they were still handled by white pigeon, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was not, uh, it, it was not a one score game or anything like that, but they played so much better. So I think that that's a huge, I, I'm sure they didn't feel that way at the time, but, but as things sink in, hopefully that they, 
that helps them realize how much they improved this year and how yeah, much better I mean, they got. I mean, they're, they're a roster of what, 17 kids. I mean, to finish the season yeah. six and five, um, I believe it was six and five, right? Six and um, five. Yeah. W- winning a one playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, they were the only team, team in the area to win a playoff game. They were the only team in the area to win a playoff game. They're one of the smallest teams in the area uh, outside of Fenville, who's eight man now. Um, I think they're one of the only 11 man teams that uh, in terms of a school that size, that still fields an 11 man team. Um, and to even win a playoff game and, and, and given those conditions and, and those restrictions, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term is, is, I mean, it's impressive. For sure. For sure. Uh, big year for them. Um, so we also had a lot of volleyball last week. It was the uh, district tournament we had for the first time around, we had no district champion, uh, but we had a lot of great volleyball uh, to be played. Um, Saugatuck had a big win against Black River and then faced the number one team in their division, uh, Western Michigan Christian, and ended up losing that game in four sets, but took a set off the number one team in the country, or in the common, not the country, <laughs> in the state. And then in division one, we had a similar thing. Hudsonville's ranked number two in division one, and they beat West Ottawa. West Ottawa took a set, and they had a similar to hope, but it wasn't a 10 nothing. West Ottawa lost one of the sets 25-8, which is just, I mean, that's that's a rout of a set. And then they came back and won the next set. Um, so they took a set off of uh, off of number two Hudsonville um, to kind of end with a little momentum, even though Hudsonville eliminated them. Then in the finals, Hudsonville, the same thing happened with Zeeland East. It was much closer Zeeland East as a, you know, uh, the OK Green champion and, you know, a little bit stronger overall than West Ottawa. They also took a set um, from Hudsonville, which was a big deal. They had played before and had not taken a set, but all the other sets that Hudsonville took were very close. So it was a it was a pretty close match. Although Hudsonville, for the most part, you know, still had, had you know a slight arm's length, kind of how the Calvin match was, too. Yeah. But it was uh, so we had no 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 district champions, but a lot of great volleyball. I mean, it's hard to win a district championship when you're in the district not even the regional, in the district with the number one or the number two team in the state. Yeah. Uh, that's very difficult, uh, obviously. Um, but but again, just kind of like soccer tuck football, those volleyball teams can – all three of those teams took a set away from the number one or number two team, which is huge, and they had not during the season. So they they all showed big-time improvement as well. Yeah. Um, um, and then we had soccer. I mean, soccer state semifinals. We had Black River there. Um I think I don't think we talked since the I think I think that game was last Wednesday or Thursday, so we haven't had a podcast since. Right. Um, but just I mean, talk about a team that got I mean they they lost in the state semifinals to um, Potter's House. Um, but just talk about a team that got hot at the right time, man. Like they 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 finished the regular season nine and eight, nine eight and one, um, which is like the most unremarkable but serviceable record you could ever imagine. Right. Um, and they just go on a tear, winning four straight, end up in the state semifinals, um, and play Potter's House, who was the team that destroyed them three to nothing. Um, the final game of the regular season. Um, and it could have been worse than that from what I hear. Yeah. From, 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 from what I, I talked to a couple of Potter test kids after the game um, and they, they go out black river. Uh, the game was at East Kentwood um, and black river, you know, they, 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 they're battling. They never really had control of the game. They had a few good counterattacks, but the defense was playing great. They let in a goal with about seven minutes left in the first half from a kid who's a Michigan State commit. Um, so, like, obviously he's extremely talented. Um, and Black River doesn't have anybody even remotely close to that athletic ability as a Michigan yeah, State. Yeah, most team. teams don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but but Potter's house, I mean, they, they were clearly more athletic, but but just the fight the 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 the, the Black River kids had was just it was remarkable. And they, they lost the game one nothing. They had a few really good chances um to put the ball in the back of the net and tie it up, but but just you know couldn't finish. Um but you know, I mean it's just it was a remarkable story. I, like I, I like they were farthest Black River has ever gotten in any program in an MHS MHSAA tournament. Um they've had some cross country kids make state, but obviously it's a little different. Right. Cross country and track for sure. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, as far as the teams ever got, you know, um, Kyle Lott and their coach is really proud of them. Is really happy. They, they're pretty senior heavy, um, but they still got a lot of talented pieces coming back as, as juniors and sophomores and freshmen. So, you know, that the, the Kyle Lott was like, this sets the standard for us, basically. Like, this is where we want to be. We know we can do it. We, before, like nobody really thought we could play soccer in November, but now we know we can do it. Um, it's not just like a myth, like it's a tangible reality. So, this sets the standard and go out there and get it every year. Um, sure. I was talking to the Potter's house kids after the game. He's like, this team is so much better from when we played them like a month ago. He's just like, they were like absurdly better. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the state finals on Saturday, I'm not sure if Potter's house ended up winning or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go toe to toe with a team that eventually wins the state title, if you lose one, nothing, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good way to end your season when, when you're not expected to do anything, especially when you finish nine, eight and one in the regular season. For sure. For sure. But they, again, the most important thing, they clearly showed the improvement by yeah. doing better against a clearly better opponent than they did the first time. And that yeah. seems <clears throat> seemed to be the trend this weekend for our local teams across the board in all the sports, which is, um, which is a lot better than them just, you know, getting it handed to them again, you know? So, um, then the other high school sport that was, uh, Big time in action this weekend was swimming. Uh, the Holland Christian girls won the OK Green conference meet, and they had already won the regular season, so they clinched the outright title for the first time uh, since they've been in the OK conference, which is we're talking at least fifteen plus years. Uh, first, their first conference win in in girls swimming. They've shared uh, a couple times before with it. One one year, I think that they won the dual meet, but then Zealand won the conference meet. And one year's the opposite happened, you know, a few years back. Um, but they've never won it completely outright, which is really hard to do for, I mean, Holland Christian and Hamilton are in a conference with Zealand, which is the combined two Zealand schools. So it's like two class A schools combined against, you know, Holland Christian and uh, Holland Christian's a solid B, uh, B school and Hamilton as well. Uh, they're in there. And Holland's kind of Holland High School is in that conference too. They're kind of in between size wise, but um, the the size of that team of Zealand's team adds to a lot of depth, and that adds to a lot of scoring. So a lot of times, uh, if I mean the last couple of years, Zealand has been out of sight where they've had all the top level talent and the depth. Um, but there's years where they the smaller schools have the top level talent, but the you know Zealand has the depth, and that still outscores at a conference meet sometimes. So. Uh, really, really big win for Holland Christian to to claim their first outright title, um, which is huge. They'll be headed to the state's Division Three state swim meet uh, that's at Calvin, along with Hamilton, Zealand, and West Ottawa. Will go to the Division One meet, which is at the Aquatic Center, and Holland will be headed to the Division Two meet at Oakland University, and that's uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Uh, so there'll be plenty of state swim coverage in the uh, in the Sentinel to read about. Uh, over the next little bit here. So um, yeah, I wanted to also talk a little bit about a couple other local things. First of all, I'm not going to totally spoil this because I have a commentary coming out this 
soon, but well, Zealand native before Jim Cott. Before you get to that, I mean, one more high school thing. I mean, obviously cross country. I mean, we had. Oh my gosh. I thought it was going to end with cross country, but yeah, let's, let's get there. Let's get yeah. there before we go to other stuff. Cross country. Yeah. We can't forget about cross country. This is the biggest high school thing going on all weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So West Ottawa cross country, the girls finished second in the state in division one, their highest finish in school history. Uh, I think Ariane Olson finished third overall and Helen Sachs was fit. Uh, and uh, that is just an incredible, incredible feat for, for West Ottawa. Ann Arbor Pioneer won. They were expected to win. Uh, they, they go a couple more deep than West Ottawa does. And West Ottawa goes a couple more deep than everyone else yeah. in the States. So uh, that just shows you where, where they were. Yeah. Uh, um, but we had all state performances from a lot of schools. We had all our schools represented, which is huge. Uh, I don't know how often that happens. We should start keeping track of that. Definitely. We will start keeping track of that because that's, that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. We had, you know, all state kids from Holland Christian, from Holland, from West Ottawa, Zealand, both well, Zealand's. Even, even uh, the school, I, we, we, I don't want to say we forget about them, but they don't field all the teams the other schools do. And, and, and they're, they're a smaller school. Uh, but I mean, Calvary Christian had someone at state, right? Which is like that, that never, I mean, I don't know how often that happens for Calvary Christian, but like they're, they're normally not competing it, it with, right, once in a while. Yeah. Like, I mean, to, to have someone from Fenville, Sagatuck, obviously Sagatuck's always there. Um, right. Like, Black River. Schools yeah. and every single school we cover all nine or 10 of them or whatever it is. Ten, yeah. Yeah. To, to have yeah. Them. I mean, Calvary Christian has somebody every few years, but I mean, we're at a point with, with Calvary where they don't have enough girls right now who want to do sports that they don't they're not they don't have enough for volleyball they don't have enough for basketball and they haven't had enough for soccer and there's no title nine violation there too because the school is continually offering it yeah um there's just not enough uh, not enough to play which is which is really i mean i mean it's a shame in a lot of ways i mean girls basketball at calvary used to be real good i mean they had a couple years where they had college players on their team all state you know players in division four or whatever class d whatever it was back then um and they've had they've had a lot of good players over the years and they have a really they've had a really great rivalry with black river and it just hasn't hasn't happened as you know as much lately the last couple years they just haven't had enough so for them to have somebody at the state level running is just that's a huge deal um and just like i said to have everybody every team represented is uh something incredible i'm not sure if that's ever happened before um especially when you include calvary i'm not sure if that's yeah. that's happened where we've had everybody at once um i mean not not every school had an all-state representative but we just had a ton of all-state kids overall which was pretty impressive um, right and six teams that. made it overall which is a lot yeah um yeah. we we don't always have that either so that's i mean that just shows you how i mean we we talk about it a lot in the track season because the track and field teams are really great but it it's led by the distance runners, obviously, with what's happening in cross country that feeds into what's happening in track and field. And it's yeah. it's really um, it's doing its best to catch swimming as far as like the historical year after year success that, that it's having. And, uh, you know, it's that's that's pretty incredible. So um, so congrats to West Ottawa. Uh, yeah. And their state runner-up finish. We don't get state runner-up finishes that often. Um, and uh, I mean, two in the top five—that's incredible at Division One. Especially considering those two in the top five, neither of them are seniors, and one of them is a freshman. Um, right. 
I mean, that's, I mean, that's that just shows you where they're headed. And and the and the girl who won uh, Forsyth, who's from Pioneer, I'm like 99% sure she's a senior. So yeah, and her older sister runs at Michigan. Okay. Um, so I mean, this is very talented, very um, talented family. But yeah, so I mean, they'll they'll be locked and loaded, ready for next year. They did they do lose one Allstate um, person in Abby Bonima, um, and her sister as well. They're twins or actually triplets, but the other one's a baseball player. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, so they, they lose a couple, but you know the top tier of of ha- uh, Helen Saxon and Arian Olsen are, are going to remain there, and they got a few other depth pieces that are coming back too. So I mean, for sure, they should be right there, one or two again next season. Yeah, so it's exciting to see that you know when a team has, it's very exciting when a team finishes like this, but to finish like this and then see that it's not it. Yeah, no, they still got people it's, coming it's, back. It's pretty. Uh, that's pretty incredible. So, yeah. for sure, and then. Uh, the other big story from the area is that uh, Zealand native Jim Cott was on the top 10 list of finalists for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Once again, he's been on this list like a seemingly a million times. Every time, basically, he's been on this list every time. Um, so how the Hall of, really quickly, how the Hall of Fame works is you're voted on, used to be for up for 15 years, now it's 10, by the baseball writers. And then if you don't make it that way, you can still be considered from what used to be called the veterans committee, old timers committee, whatever. Now it's split up into different eras. So he's in the golden era. Uh, that's, you know, that stems the uh, talks the fifties and the sixties basically. And so he's a finalist once again, um, the last time they, they go every five years, but this has been six years since the last time they voted because they vote in person and they postponed it a year because of COVID. So um, he missed by two votes last time, uh, which seems like, well, maybe he's a shoe in this time, but there were two players ahead of him that both missed by one vote last time. Um, and a, another person that missed by three and another person that missed by four last time. So um, between the five of them or the four, five of them, how many is that? that would be so, yeah. yeah. So Dick Allen and Tony Oliva missed by one, Jim Cott missed by two, Maury Wills missed by three and Minnie Minoso missed by four. The hardest part is you can, voters can only vote for up to four. And there's five candidates getting a ton. So that's this is what's happened for 20 years in this committee is that they uh, there's too many good candidates. It's not, and, but and so the, but they end up electing less than other eras because there's so many good candidates. They keep stealing support and votes from each other. Where uh, so hopefully hopefully a couple of people make it just to change some things up and uh, you know and 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 give give some strong other strong candidates a chance because I would say all five of those players have a really good shot. And I would say I wouldn't have a problem with any of the 10 being in. That's how strong this, um, this group is. So, um, but Jim Cott won 283 games and 16 gold gloves. That's uh that gets you an argument <laughs> that gets you an argument no matter what. Um, and I'll have more in commentary form, but I, uh, I think, I think he belongs, although I think that other players, in all fairness, are more deserving of him. But, however, out of the 10, only him and his teammate, former teammate Tony Oliva and Maury Wills, there's only three people still alive. Okay. And that's Tony Oliva missed by one, Jim Cott missed by two, Maury Wills missed by three three last time. So I personally think Minnie Minoso belongs the most, but if they lean toward – the living candidates, I'm not going to complain. Um, I just, the, the only thing that'll make me complain is if nobody makes it because in that group, only Ron Santo has made it in 20 years 
And if just one person made it every other election, all five of these people we talked about would already be in yeah. and we'd be debating about the next group. Um, and then there'd be more finalists on there, like Tigers catcher Bill Freehan, who was an 11-time All-Star and can't even make it to the finalists of this list because it's so stacked. So um, so hopefully some people, uh, that, that vote is December 5th. Um, I have way more info than you would ever want and way more analysis than you would ever want coming in the Sentinel this week about that. Um, so, but that's kind of, as Will talks about college football uh, being his passion and just football in general, baseball is mine and i i did my internship at the hall of fame i've been there a million times i used to work there um i've been obsessed with that vote for long before i even came to holland so um having somebody from zealand that's being considered is is such a huge localization of this uh interest for me which is kind of fun so so all the information you could ever want will be coming in the sentinel um but this this again could be the year and I, but i've also said that several times before for Jim Cott. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but again, hopefully somebody makes it. Um, that's, that would be the biggest travesty. So speaking of travesties, uh, Michigan state played Purdue, um, who seems to want to upset everyone this year. Um, not even just I'm, I'm still not sure how Purdue lost three games basically. Um, but they, they knocked off Iowa when they were number two. Now they knocked off uh, Michigan state when they were number three, just after Michigan state was riding high off this, Epic top 10 showdown against Michigan. Um, Ohio State a couple years ago when they were undefeated. It's always Purdue, man. It's always yeah. Purdue. There's a reason that they call them the spoiler makers. Yeah. Uh, it's they really it's it's crazy. But to knock off two top five teams I know in the same month when you have three losses is insane to me. How do they have they lost three games? I um it's it's just crazy. So I mean, just Will, you're the college football guru here. Uh, just what 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 is your take on what I mean the two, the going from beating Michigan to then losing to Purdue for Michigan State? Well, I mean, I don't want to say they overlooked Purdue because you can't ever overlook Purdue because obviously you know it's always Purdue that seems to you know spoil something. That's why they're called spoil spoiler makers. Um, but I mean, Michigan Purdue just has. I mean, Purdue had a horrible running attack. I mean, they they averaged under two yards per carry. They had 58 yards total on the ground the entire game. But wow. they had another one of those situations that Hope kind of faced when, when, when Justin Thomas popped off for 235 yards and three touchdowns. They just couldn't cover David Bell. David Bell had 11 catches for 217 yards. I mean, you got to cover David Bell. He's... David Bell is the David Bell is the Purdue Boilermakers offense. Like he just hit and, and and Jeff Braun, their coach, is an offensive genius. I mean, he had some fantastic play calls. Um, I I don't remember who who was. I think it was Jackson Anthrop. He's like a tailback slash kind of fullback. He's a bigger dude. They had like this crazy reverse throwback when all the offensive line got out to one side of the field and were just like creating a blockade for this little dude who just like cut across the entire field and scored like a 50-yard touchdown. Um, so I mean it's really good play calling. Really good game management. Defense came up big with a couple turnovers, especially at the end. Um, got a turnover right at the end zone, interception right at the end zone on Peyton Thorne um, to really kind of seal it. Um, they go down and score again. But, you know, it's 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 the, the, the reason they lost this game was – and you could even notice in the Michigan game. I mean, uh, Cade McNamara, what, he threw for almost 400 yards, two touchdowns uh, against Michigan State. And right. Aiden O'Connell, who, you know – probably a better drop back passer than, than, than the, uh, Cade McNamara from Michigan. He, he went 40 for 54 for 536 yards and three scores. I mean, you can't give up 536 yards and expect to score or expect to win. Um, 
just in general, let alone just through the air 536 yards. Um, right. So that secondary is really something that's, you know, got to get it figured out um, in the coming weeks. Cause you know, I don't want to say their college football playoff hopes are doomed, but you know, they still got Ohio state on the schedule. Uh, and Penn state. Yeah. And Penn state. It's uh, I'd be less worried about Penn state than Ohio state, but it's uh, it's not going to be easy um, no. right now. If of all the teams in the big 10, I would say Ohio state is, is in the best position because they don't have a conference loss. Michigan state has a conference loss. Michigan has a conference loss. Right. Ohio state has a, a weird loss to Oregon, which still doesn't make much sense to me. Um, right. And they've been playing better than anybody else has in the previous few weeks. So, um, yeah. And, and, and you notice that kind of across college football this year, or this week, everybody who's kind of up at the top of the college football playoff rankings won, but not by a lot, or they lost. Um, you know, Cincinnati beat Tulsa by three. Or no, right. Cincinnati beat Tulsa by eight. Um, you know, Ohio State didn't dominate all that much. Uh, Alabama had a close one at LSU, who's not a very good team this year. Um, it's, it's just a weird week. Um, yeah, so it'll be I'm, interesting to see what the ranking, the college football playoff rankings are this year. Yeah, the rankings year. come out tonight. Um, I think, obviously, Michigan State's going to drop. But I don't think many other people are going to drop all that much simply because everybody won ugly. Like, everybody right. won ugly. Cincinnati might move up to five. They might stay at six. Um, but, yeah, Michigan State's going to drop. Michigan State might drop to six. Cincinnati will move up to five. That's my prediction. Everything else is going to stay the same. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, you yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Oklahoma is kind of around somewhere too. They're undefeated, but that's the most fraudulent nine and O team I've ever seen. Right. But yeah, I mean, we'll see the relating come out tonight, which is Tuesday night when we're recording this. Um, so by the time you listen to it, they probably already will be out and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, um, right. which I probably will be, but we'll see. Yeah, Well, you know, it's part of the fun. Yeah. It's part of the fun. All right. Kirk cousins lost in overtime. Yep, my boys, the, the the Baltimore Ravens, love it. Yep. So I mean, that's a, another. You know, it's just been a losing. They've had a lot of, of close games. Like yeah. every game seems to. Be They've close. been in several overtime games. Yeah, I feel like that's every weird. time I go on Sunday to pull their story, it's like they lost at the last second touchdown or an overtime touchdown. Yeah, that's happened at least three. At least three games, probably four. Yeah, it's, um, it's a that's, lot. That is a lot. Um, and then they won one, right? Didn't they win one in overtime? I know they lost to the Cowboys. I don't know if that was overtime or like a last second drive. Well, the Bengals was a last second thing. Um, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of crazy. So I'm not really sure what to even make of them yet they, because they're, they're, they're one or two plays away from winning four more games than they have. Did they play the Lions yet? Yeah, once. Did they go to overtime with the Lions? No. Was it a close game with the Lions? It's closer than it should have been, probably. Because I know the Lions, like obviously they're kind of not doing great now, but like in the beginning of the season, they like had a ton. Yeah, no, the 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 Lions had it won, and then they let Kirk Cousins come back on a game-winning drive with like 30 seconds left, drove the length of the field to hit a game-winning field goal. That sounds like the Lions. The Lions, took, the Lions took the lead with like a minute and four seconds left or something. That sounds like the Lions for sure. Yeah, that's that's yeah. It's every game has been absurdly close for the Vikings. Right. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was a 1917. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it's, crazy. It doesn't matter how good the opponent is, how bad the opponent is, because the Ravens are a good team. They I knew it was back. that was one of their closer games. I didn't remember it being at the last drive like that, but yeah, that's, yeah. That's crazy. Um yeah. but of all the teams that we've talked about and all the tough losses and everything like that, the Lions did not lose this week. They didn't win though. They also did not play. Yep. So uh right. one I'll one week of not 
take not losing. Uh, maybe that's all the momentum they need. Just a week off. They just know they didn't lose this week. So I think they're, I, I think they're a much better team. If they played the Jags, I think they would win. I, I think the lions are a better team than their record indicates. I don't know how much, I mean, like maybe no. they're a three win team, but right. Right. But still, I mean, like I, they're not a winless team. They should, I can't team. imagine. I mean, the only two winless teams that Tampa Bay, expansion Tampa Bay team, and then the Lions a few years back. I can't imagine one franchise having two winless seasons. Well, I believe the Bucks went winless for two straight seasons. Yeah. I mean, they're, but they were a – They were expansion. Expansion, yeah. But that's I, – I don't think that's going to happen. I haven't looked at what the Lions' schedule is, but I, I would be surprised. I mean, they, they, they when they hired Dan Campbell, I thought it was a bit goofy. Still think it's a bit goofy, but you can tell the players like play their butt off for him. Like they love that dude. I don't know. It looks pretty. They got Pittsburgh, then Cleveland, then the Bears, the Vikings, Denver, Arizona, Atlanta, Seattle, and Green Bay. It looks pretty rough. I don't know. The Bears aren't very good. The Falcons aren't very good. Yeah, those are the two choice. Those are the two chances I think. But like, see, the Lions of old. This that's why this Lions team is so bad. The Lions of old would lose to teams they should beat but yeah. then beat some teams they should lose to. I mean, you remember Matt Patricia beat the Patriots. Did he really? Yeah, they beat the Patriots. They shouldn't have beat the Patriots. Okay. Like, there's no way. But they won, like, four games. <laughs> yeah. Five games that year or whatever. They 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 have that had that knack for a long time. They beat, I mean, when I was younger, we'll just say younger, one of the best Monday night football games I've ever seen. They played Dallas on Monday night. Barry Sanders had like 300 yards. It was Emmett Smith versus Barry Sanders. And boy, they gave, seemed like they gave them the ball every play. And it was epic. And they beat Dallas. And they like hardly won any more games the rest of the year. Like, it's just, uh, to me, that's the Lions. If they'll show that promise. They'll like randomly beat the 49ers. And then they'll lose to Cincinnati. And I don't mean Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati. I mean... Yeah, pretty Andy Dalton, Cincinnati. Yeah, um, like they, or, or the Jets, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they, they'll lose all these games. I they'll mean, lose I'm, I'm, to the zero and eight Bears. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now, and like the Steelers are a weird team. Who knows what can happen there? The Browns again, a weird team. Who knows what can happen there? The Bears, they can beat. The Lions, yeah, they, they can, or, or the Vikings, they proved they can beat. I mean, outside of a fluke field goal and, and really good drive by Holland Christian alum Kirk Cousins, um, the Broncos are who knows what's going on there. Cardinals, right. they will absolutely get smacked by. Like that's yeah. A, yeah. Even if the Cardinals have an off game, they're winning. Yeah, that I mean, game. they. Could, I mean, the Cardinals had their backup this week and they smacked the 49ers, Their backup quarterback. Um, right. That's just a really good team. Um, Falcons, they could easily beat. Falcons are a trash heap. Um, Seahawks with Russell Wilson coming back, I highly doubt they'll beat them. And the Packers, uh, who knows how long Aaron Rodgers will have COVID for. So, <laughs> oh, that's another. That's, that's that's how the season ends. Who do they play on Thanksgiving? They play the Bears on Thanksgiving. So short week. Team that's not that good. That's your chance right there. Wow, their one win beat could be on Thanksgiving. Oh boy. In front of National, oh, Aaron Rodgers too. We didn't even talk about that. That's what a mess he's there. created. Yeah, that's that's a that's a whole other thing. I mean, like we don't even need to get into it, but like, I don't even want to get into it as far as like exactly. vaccination and this and that and the other, whatever it is. But at best, at best, you lied. He lied in a press Everyone. conference in front of the world. Yeah, and yeah. you know, to his team and to everyone. 
Like that's at best. Yeah. It's not great. That's, that's not good. That's not good. That's not going to end well. Um, the league does not like liars. Um, and the league, even though he's a star of the league, the league is much bigger than him. I mean, he saw his like public perception go from like one of the most, I mean, personality wise, like based on everything, like I, I thought he was a pretty cool dude and like everything, like everybody kind of like it, like tends to like him uh, as a player, as a person. He's obviously a fantastic quarterback. Right. Um, but he's like one in all those commercials, I mean, public perception just went from like 99 to like plummeted in like a right. 24 right. hour period. Cause, cause no matter what your take is on the vaccine or whatever, this is still somebody who just, just bald face lied, lied and, and, and to everyone. And it's not even the fact that he lied. It's just that if you're not vaccinated, like that's fine. Like do what you do. Yeah. Cousins isn't. And he talks about it. Yeah. He follows all the rules. He follows the protocols for players that aren't vaccinated. Right. right. Boy, remember when he was the villain? Boy, Cousins will never be the villain about that again. No, I mean, that, I mean, that, that blew over pretty quick. I don't know if he got his like, you know, relationship back with Holland hospital or anything. I doubt it given their health, no. but um, I mean, that didn't hurt his public perception all that much because, you know, he it's, you know, it's his choice to not get the vaccine, but he's following right. the proper protocols in place that, 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 that they're asking him. To. Right. Whereas right. Aaron Rodgers I'm, is just like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Right. And that's, which is, that, never I mean, flies. like I said, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not in, in this instance, just follow the protocols. Follow the rules, and then you're still just, keeping everyone else safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So, the main reason why I feel like his public perception just tank. Right. Because even people who are with him in spirit, as far as their side of the vaccine or argument or whatever, he's still a liar. Like, he's yeah. still, like, that's still, and there's no way around it. There's not, like, there's no gray area. No. Like, there's, he like the, he's getting treatment and that's kind of gray area. Him lying, not gray area. I mean, even if you're like going so far as to say like he never blatantly said he was vaccinated, he said he was immunized. Like at that point, you're just like, all right, maybe he didn't lie, but he blatantly deceived. Right, right. Because even so, he was in the middle of trying this other stuff. So he wouldn't have even been immunized wouldn't even be accurate either though so and, and i mean I, I credit to the credit to the reporters who like covered that press conference stuff because they kind of stepped up when and they're like yeah i know i, I should have pressed him on it more because i mean if, if someone says that as a reporter you're trained to question that like why would you twist that word and, and use immunized right. instead of vaccinated so like obviously credit for the reporters are stepping up and saying yeah i was wrong i should have done better but at the same time it's just like you're not gonna think about that i mean as, as journalists in that room and I, I don't want to put too much on them because I wasn't in that room. I don't know what I would do. I haven't covered the NFL. Um, but, you know, you're taught to question that and, and, and right. press them, push them, push back on that. And, and credit to the reporters who were there. And the, the, now they've come out and said, I was wrong. I, I should have done better, um, which is a right. hard thing to own up to. I mean, this is an industry of egos to some extent. Um, right. For sure. But well, you know, we've seen it happen in other places, too. I mean. Olympic swimmer Michael Andrew was not vaccinated, and it was a minor story when he said he wasn't vaccinated at the trials, although it kind of ruffled some feathers because, you know, they're all, you know, in close quarters on the pool deck and everything like that. But it became a bigger story at the Olympics when he was walking around without a mask when he was supposed to have a mask on, because then you're not following the protocols. And then, you know, and people were asking about that and that became a bigger story with that could have been completely avoided if he just had a mask, you know, like it's not, that's to me more of an issue than the vaccine. And I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage people from getting the vaccine. 
nor am I necessarily trying to encourage you shouldn't be getting the vaccine based on anything this sports editor says. Um, <laughs> no, please don't. We're not medical but, professionals in any capacity. But if you're not gonna just fall, just fall if you wear your mask face. and keep your distance, you're still being you're not spreading the problem. Yes. So anyway, so that that so that's it's just a weird layer of things that we got to deal with as journalists too because um you know that's that's a that's a big thing because like is is it a huge deal that he that michael andrew was not vaccinated no some people wanted to make it a huge deal but would it but it would be a huge deal if he wasn't following the protocols and other athletes got it some or something then it would be a monumental deal um so it's it's just i mean it's the same thing with 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 Rogers, I mean, like it's just again, he lied. Yeah. Michael Andrew never lied about yeah. it, you know, at least not overtly like that. So it's just just a wild wild situation that I just this late in the season too. I was stunned that that came yeah. out like that. Yeah, it's it's very that's the kind of stuff we talked about at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's I mean, if someone goes on like the COVID restricted list or like I mean, Lamar Jackson was on at the beginning of the season, it's just like all right, I guess Lamar Jackson's not vaccinated or whatever um i don't know if he is now or I don't, I don't know that but like he wasn't blatantly not wearing a mask he wasn't like not following the rules or anything so like it didn't become that big of a story it's just like oh that sucks he's out for the ravens for a couple weeks um right but right i mean it just it, there's there's ways to handle it that was not a good way to handle it. <laughs> no, no. so anyway all right well that's a weird note to, <laughs> weird note to end on um this week we've got uh hope college uh against or at trying for football on saturday we've got volleyball starting their ncaa tournament on thursday women's soccer starting on friday the hope women's basketball opener is at home on friday night uh they play in their tip-off tournament friday and saturday at devos field house um and we've got a week off from high school sports uh the state meet is next week uh, but read more about all of those teams headed to the state meet and the sentinel in the next few days as well as the way too much information commentary on Jim Cott's Hall of Fame chances uh, and uh, all our other hope coverage. So, um, but yeah, hope women's basketball, they tip off their season after being undefeated and ranked number one the last two years. Uh, they sh- in a row. 45 wins in a row. Program. Yeah, here, and program they start their new slash same journey on Friday. Uh, should be a very exciting season for them, though. So um, head out there if you got nothing else to do. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely be providing coverage all weekend on all the Hope stuff and Grand Valley stuff uh, as well. So uh, for Will, I'm Dan. Have a good week, everybody.